to Raven Conversations, the show where we bring you the news and information around the Washington National Guard. Today we're going to talk about the State Partnership Program. First, we're going to interview Major Keith Kosick, who is the State Partnership Program Coordinator. And then we're going to talk to three members of the Washington National Guard with multiple State Partnership Program trips under their belt. Major Nick Stewart from the 3161 Infantry Regiment, Master Sergeant Shauna Grambo, and Joe Seamandel, as you all know from the Public Affairs Office. Uh, enjoy. Be sure to follow us on social media. Stay up to date on all the cool events, stories, photos, and videos happening around the Washington National Guard. If you have a question, have a comment, or just want to say hi, send us a DM, PM, tweet at us, whatever, and we'll answer you. We also love to share and collaborate. Send us the photos or videos you take at Drill or AT, and we'll tag you. Are you an active Instagrammer? Well, you might be a perfect candidate to take over our account. Send us a message, and we'll set something up. To find us, do a search for WA National Guard. That's WA National Guard, and look for the blue check mark. All right, so we're here with Major Keith Kosick, and you are the State Partnership Program Director. Director, and what does that mean? Well, you should probably first know what the State Partnership Program. Yes, let's is. start there. Yeah, so let's go way back. Let's go back to the early '90s, when the Soviet Union collapsed and the wall came down in Berlin. Uh, the United States was trying to figure out ways to engage the former Eastern Bloc countries. And one of the ideas they came up with was to have some of the National Guards in, in some of the states partner up with some of those countries. And the idea was that they could provide access to them, provide insight from them, and provide influence with them through this relationship. And since, since, that, since those initial partnerships were established, um, it's the program has grown and grown to today across the 54 states and territories. We have partners with 76 countries, and in 2002, the Kingdom of Thailand became Washington State's first partner, and okay. in 2017, Malaysia became the second one. Okay, and so then, what is your main job as the State Partnership Program Director? Okay, well, I could give you an official some official job functions that would be really really boring but the SPP director does a lot of things it's it's a it's a facilitator it's a coordinator it's a it's a planner um, we our bread and butter are small exchanges between Thailand and Malaysia with with their militaries and some of their civilian entities too so our exchanges are typically three to five people that will go over and do a week-long maybe at the most a week and a half long exchange with the Royal Thai Army, Royal Thai Air Force, or the Malaysian Army, Malaysian Air Force. And they they share best practices, they right. share ideas, they they do training together. Um, and that's that's really the, the fundamental bread and butter of the state partnership program. Okay, cool. Um, how many times have you been uh, on a program as a service member, not necessarily as the director? Yeah, so back about uh, the first time I went was in May 2009 when okay. I was state public affairs officer. I used to go to Thailand as an exchange um, subject matter es expert, and I would teach crisis communication at the port of Lam Shabong and the port of Bangkok. Um, so from about 2009 to 2012, I went about eight times. Okay. And then had you ever gone to Malaysia in a military capacity or just as a director? I, I had not, no. The, the 
the, we didn't have the relationship with Malaysia back when I was when I was going with the program. But I went to Malaysia for the first time in March. Okay. And that was a great learning experience. The Malaysians are, are great people. It's a fascinating country. And uh, it was it was pretty eye-opening. Yeah. I think uh, I'll probably get a chance to do that this summer since we're down a man in the, uh, the public affairs office. And all of the public affairs experts will be gone. <laughs> that would be great. For the state. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. So what is your favorite experience then when you went as a public like what was the part of the program that you really enjoyed when you were a part of it uh from a for service member's perspective yeah great question so the, the the ties are great people as are the Malaysians. so to be able to go over there and see how they do business and to see the world through their eyes not just military operations but their culture how they interact with each other right. how they feel about things you know that there's so many things that the U.S. military gets right and the United States gets right, but the world is so much bigger than us, and right. there's so much that we can learn from other people, other nations, and other militaries. And so that that I would say that was probably the most rewarding aspect for me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in the reserve, we don't have the state partnership program, but I've definitely been on exercises where we go engage with multinational cultures and uh, coalition nations on exercises and similar but probably not the same since there's not that established relationship between my unit and this other unit uh, from a different country but it's always interesting to see how the other militaries work and run how they're similar how they're different and yes. then you think mm, yeah absolutely maybe we should do some of those things yeah yeah there's uh, you know one, one of one of my favorite quotes comes from uh one of our former adjutant generals who used to go to Thailand a lot, Major General Lundberg, and he said something 10 years ago that, that stuck with me that I, I think is still a, a guiding idea. And he said, you know, the greatest challenges of the 21st century are not those that will be solved with kinetic force. Right. They'll be solved in a marketplace of ideas. And I, I think that that's why SPP is so important is because it facilitates that marketplace of ideas, that exchange of of the way we do business, the way we look at things, the way they look at things, um, facilitates that understanding. And I, I think that's why it's so important. Yeah, and that the way we fight wars now or or we fight against adversaries now too is so much more in the information sphere as opposed to that kinetic sphere. Like troops on ground is still super important, but advancing into that headspace of information right yes. information warfare that's pretty much the the way of the future yeah so that's that's vital and you know in any given day you can look at open source news right and see what some of our adversaries are doing in exactly. the informational environment and joint doctrine has really caught up with that because they they view the informational environment as a domain right it up there with air land sea space cyberspace and if you look at what the Washington National Guard has to offer in exchanges with our partner nations, I mean, we are in air, we're on land, we are in the informational environment, right. and we're in cyber. So we're, we're incredibly relevant, and those domains are incredibly relevant. Yeah, and, and so that's what I was going to say is it seems like the partner program really does have hit all of those domains because I've definitely seen since being here you guys go to Thailand for sure where they do some uh, information warfare, information operations um, exchanges, right? Showing each other how maybe you can operate better in those environments. 
So we ha we haven't done IO specific um, SPP exchanges right. with, with Thailand or Malaysia, but there have been exercises where IO planners have right. have integrated in with in, in some of those functions. Um, but yeah, ab it's absolutely relevant as are a number of other capabilities that we bring. Yeah, and and we're we're pretty proud of those. Awesome. Um, I guess is there like a major misconception that people have about SPP that you'd like to denounce? Ah, well, um, so like yes, it's not just vacation. Yeah, it's, to Malaysia. it's not. It's so there's an incredible amount of planning and effort and work that goes into getting people over for exchanges. I, I think one from the outside could look at the SPP program and see it as kind of a, you know, in international man of mystery kind of a job. Um, the truth is it, it, there are incredible administrative hurdles that have to be cleared to get people overseas right? and a lot of planning that has to occur and just contingencies and, and thinking through a lot of things, planning way out, not just six months out or a year out, but several years out, right? Um, really having a strategic vision for what the State Department wants to do, what PACOM wants to do, what USERPAC and Pacific Air Forces want to do, what the TAG wants to do. I mean, right. ultimately, the State Partnership is the TAG's program, and he's established lines of effort uh, that he wants us to align with. So there is there's a lot of planning and, and administration that goes into making the program happen. Now, what our, our fantastic public affairs and communications offices do, people like you, is you know, they capture the action right. of the, those exchanges, but behind the action is a lot of groundwork that has to be laid. So. I can only imagine the logistics involved in the movement piece and how you're accounting for feeding all of these personnel and sheltering them. And I'm sure that it's great working with the partner organizations, but it, it's got to be no easy feat to get bodies moved across an ocean. There's there there is a lot that goes. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Um, I don't uh, I don't really know what else to talk about with SPP unless there's something else you'd really like to talk about. Gosh, I I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, just that, uh, you know, SPP is is rewarding. We're we're grateful that the entire organization has supported the program. In in a lot of ways, we're a force provider right. to to exchanges, to exercises in limited capacities, and that we have the support of our senior leaders, um, Air and Army, to send the right people over to establish relationships, to get better tactically, but also to move the needle strategically. It is, it's, it's a great blessing to be able to be part of it and to have the support of the organization and to have people who want to go and do it. Right. Um, this is not Keith Cossack's program. This is the TAGS program. This is the Washington National Guards program. And the people who execute the, you know, 30, 35 plus exchanges that we do every year through the SPP program, they are the SPP program. Right. And then I guess the, the last thing we could talk about is what is the way ahead? What is the future of the SPP program? Boy, that is, that's a great question. So I believe that the goal, the, the mission for access, influence, insight will always be the same. 
um, getting there through good relationships, getting there through shared ideas will always be in play. Now, what I think will change is I, I think in years to come, if the budget is there and we've got we've got the forces to support it, I think the volume can can increase. I think the diversity of the, the types of exchanges that we do can can grow along with that. Um, but but the reason that we do this, I think, will always remain the same. Awesome. I think that's it. Okay. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, easy peasy. All right. Okay, we're here with uh, Master Sergeant Grambo, Major Stewart, Joe, and uh, we're going to talk about SPP experiences. You guys have all been on multiple state partnership program missions and yeah so if you want to just go around and introduce yourself Sergeant Grambo why don't we start with you. Okay I'm Master Sergeant Shauna Grambo. I work in the G3. Uh, I've done some state partnership programs when I was at MedCom. Did some uh, MedCaps over about 25 months and that's about it. You're, she's so she's being brutally like humble like you went 15 times in two years or something. 25 months yeah it was 15 trips in 25 months and most of the trips were between like January and June so five days there and a couple days back it was it was rough that sounds like a lot and then also what do you do uh every day oh I work at the G3 Uh, I send out the tasking orders that nobody wants to read or do I suspect most offices have a dartboard with my name on them so (laughs) that's what I do I tell people to do stuff they don't want to do Awesome. Uh, Major Stewart? All right. Um, Let's see. I'm Major Nick Stewart. I'm the S3 for three of the 161 Infantry. Uh, On the full-time side, I'm the battalion AO, so I'm the senior officer in charge of that battalion in our AGR force. I was trying to do the math. I think I have nine trips to Malaysia and or Thailand. Um, Most of those SBP, but also with other other Army exercises. Okay. Joe? And then you guys know me, Joe C. Mandel, State Public Affairs Officer. Uh, you don't have to tell them what you do. Just tell them about yeah, your SPP. I'm not going to tell you what I do. <laughs> uh, so uh, I I believe it's seven trips okay. since 2012 uh, that I've gone uh, either Thailand or Malaysia. Awesome. And then uh, whoever wants to start, um, if you just want to talk about maybe like your, your favorite experience uh, on an, an SPP mission. I think my favorite experience uh, was a culminating experience that we did down in uh, Padia. I think it was the one where I met you, Joe, mm-hmm. when we boarded the ship. Yeah, it ran was, on that big ship with, yeah. like, the pirates. Yes. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, – they took us literally out into the middle of the ocean, and their shore patrol came up on the wrong side of the ship. So Dr. Maltz and I are trying to get up on this Jacob's ladder, and the ship's just up and down and – I didn't know if we were going to make it, but once we got up there, everything was fine. But watching that shore patrol <laughs> pull away, we realized, hmm, we're on a ship with nobody speaks English. <laughs> and we're pretending to check for gamma radiation for decontamination. Right. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun and scary. Fun and scary. That's a good combination. What about you? Uh, in 2014 was my first trip to Thailand. Um, it was a uh, an infantry SME, subject matter expert exchange. Okay. And so for about, I'm trying to remember the time, it's been a while, but for somewhere around 10 days, I, I was the, um, the OIC for 10 infantry NCOs. 
Uh, we did round robin training with the Royal Thai Army. I think we had five platoons. You know, did infantry skills like react to contact, react to ambush, enter clear room, um, orders production, etc. Um, and that was the that's my favorite one because I got to bring some junior members with me. Um, right. You know, I had a couple E4s, corporals, and, and E5 sergeants, and so on. Um, and so it was a great experience for them. And then I got to work with more junior members, junior enlisted members of the Royal Thai Army. So okay. most of my engagements, I've been working with staff officers. Um, however, this one I got to work with with infantry squads and infantry platoons, and so that was that was pretty awesome. And like every combat arms officer I've ever met, you were so excited not to be a staff officer, right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> was that the, also the one where you? Uh, I think I had a photo of you with like a snake. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> In the subject matter expert exchange, we exchange our expertise with them. They exchange expertise with us. So right. one of the things they did was a jungle survival day. And they have a jungle survival school at their infantry center. And so they um, they had a, a king cobra that was live and not devenomed or defanged or anything of the sort. Cool. And uh, they had a snake handler, uh, one of their NCOs. I think he was a master sergeant equivalent. And uh, he was handling the cobra and so on. And... Um, it was, it was pretty entertaining and, and exciting. And, and a little bit scary. Yep. And then he <laughs> killed the cobra, and we got to eat the cobra. Okay. And uh, we drank the blood. That's kind of a, a right. rite of passage for the Royal Thai Army, so that was, that was fun to, to participate in. And they also had all kinds of jungle roots and berries and what you can eat and can't eat, and we built snares and traps and did all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, I think that's one of the more interesting photos that always comes out of cobra gold is is the picture of them, yeah. like, drinking the cobra blood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah gross <laughs> what did it what did it taste like so not necessarily the blood but yeah, just like in general tastes like blood no, <laughs> <laughs> um, no what, what they did is they mix it with um kind of a, a whiskey they make okay. from a jungle root yeah um or like a, a moonshine it's kind of like a potato that they can grow over there it grows naturally um they they ferment that or distill that and then they mix the blood in with that and that that was at least their tradition i don't know if that's the same everywhere in Taiwan. right um, so it was it was alcoholic and that, that and then did the cobra that, taste like chicken? It does taste like chicken, um, but think chicken with the bones of a of a, a white meat fish. Okay. So all those really slivery fine bones. Yep. So mm. kind of the combination of fish and chicken. Interesting. Yeah. I think I would have a hard pass on that. Uh, the, the cobra wasn't bad. Okay. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. Uh, Joe. So for me. Um, Having gone to Patty, I think, what, five times um, to teach public affairs. That, that's always fun. But uh, I would say one of the better trips I had was with uh, General Doherty. Okay. When he went over for the first time after the coup that had gone over in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, was with him, then General Tui, uh, Colonel Horn, and Colonel Welsh. And, of course, here I am. I'm the, I'm the lowest man on the totem pole, so I became the aide-de-camp. But... Uh, just being able to go around to the different schools and you know see what was going on and what our footprint was uh, not just from a one school standpoint like the infantry school we also went to the engineer school the uh, aviation um, the army cyber the army war or the air war college the air cyber so seeing it from how big a footprint we have in thailand is very it was very interesting um but also the culture days are, are what you remember a lot, too, because you learn so much about Thailand okay. and just getting out and talking to Thais on the street is just as much fun. So Awesome. Mm. Very true. Yeah. We had a lot of fun down in Pattaya and up in uh, Bangkok. Same sort of thing. Um, down in Pattaya, they do have, and, and I think we did it on one of our cultural awareness days, but 
they have a place where they've got all five of their markets representing all of their all of Thailand and it is neat just as you go from these little mar market islands and you've got your interpreters and some of the other leadership with you and they explain just the different geographical locations of Thailand and different dress that they wear both the men and the women it's really neat it's it's definitely an eye-opener and just kind of the way they do things especially their world of medicine they're they're advanced in a lot of ways but they're still kind of stuck in the 70s like their nurses still right. wear the white dresses with little white hats <laughs> and little white shoes um, and getting some of the female Thai nurses to do stuff you really have to coax them because their male nurses and their male aides do those things okay and here we don't do that every but if it's a mass cow we all pitch in right they have their roles and they're very well defined so coaxing them out of that is fun and you, you got to be delicate I was glad Joe was there he helps out with a lot of protocol <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's always interesting when you go to a different country and you're sort of immersed in their culture and you get to see how they do things differently mm -hmm. than than we do not necessarily worse or better but just different. Just different. Awesome. Is there anything that you find you get from doing the state partnership program that, like, is something you've gotten from it that you didn't ex expect? Um, yeah, I, I think, so when you go over a couple of times, you actually start to run into a couple of the same people. Right. Um, and it's happened to me, not, not every time, but, but. I think twice I've run into a, to either an officer or an NCO I'd worked with previously. And so that, that kind of enduring relationship, um, you know, and then you become like Facebook friends or they text, you text back and forth every now and then and kind of having this, this friend in the, the Royal right. Thai army that's telling me what he's doing and, you know, and then I'm, you know, talking to him and, and so on. So that that's something I didn't really expect. Yeah. Um, and that, that's happened to me a couple of times where I've, I've been able to, to reconnect with somebody I'd worked with previously. Right. Uh, yeah. Same thing. Um, so at the port, uh, Lamshbaum, uh, the public affairs representative there, uh, her name that she goes by is Kuhn Maud. Um, so having gone four times over the course of a couple years and then taking a, about a five-year break from SPP and then going back and her still being there and right. remembering myself was and, and me remembering her, it was great because you know, it's your, you, know, you know who they are and you've worked with them before. Um, the level of, of what they can teach you is always fantastic too. Um, especially this last trip in Malaysia where their public affairs folks are just as skilled, if not better in a way, because they're more practiced around right. the world. Um, not just in Malaysia. Yeah. And so they have a much broader like understanding of public affairs in other countries than right. I think we do sometimes. Yeah. We get a little short sighted with our U S public affairs instead of a more international yeah relationships they're yeah. huge they would they'll, they'd rather spend the first couple of hours of whatever training session you think you're doing your training plan always changes right it's when they say no plan survives contact <laughs> you, when you get there and it changes uh, but they want to spend the first few hours just getting to know you right and, and that relationship and that's the big thing you know during the breaks they've got lots of questions and they want to share things and they'll bring fruit from their gardens that's probably one of the neatest things about being in Asia I mean mangoes grow on trees right, right. along the street you know so th that's what they want to do they really want to share their culture and talk about family and develop that relationship with you 
Yeah, I'd, I'd say what's interesting, uh, both Malaysia and Thailand, is that they almost, I mean, part of it's cultural, but they build it into their schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in the U.S. Army, U.S. military, you know, we tend to, to start early and we will work until it's done. Right. Right. Um, they have, like, in, in Malaysia, the, the tea breaks are very well defined, like, and you don't miss it. Like, mm-hmm. you don't, oh, we're behind on these slides, we're going to skip tea break. That, right. that is not an option in their army. Um and I think it's a, it's a social mm-hmm. yeah, aspect. Right. And, and, you know, oftentimes we, we joke about meetings that you get more done after the meeting, talking in the hallway yep. than during the meeting. Well, it's the same kind of dynamic to where oftentimes we actually accomplish more during the tea break, you know, where we're actually sitting down and discussing a problem or, or just getting to know each other that then yeah. allowed us to work more effectively afterwards. Yeah, you're like getting rejuvenated. And, uh, yeah, and exactly. Yeah, you're working a little bit faster maybe afterwards because you've had a little mental break and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. I can definitely see how that would be good. I know... Throughout the day, I I usually take my little snack to have my own little mental <laughs> tea break. <laughs> Is there something that you wish you would have been able to do on a on a trip, or something you you hope to do in the future with SPP? Hmm. I know <clears throat> I would have liked to have seen us. I don't remember exactly where it was at in Thailand, but they have their equivalent of Fort Sam Houston. Okay. And through all of those trips, we only did one exchange with them. Um, but they were just hungry for combat medics to come out there and work with them. Right. Because they're new. They're brand new students. They're new to the Royal Thai Army. Um, we just didn't get to spend as much time with them as I would have liked to. We spent a lot of time working patient decontamination, combat lifesaver training, teaching them how to teach their folks combat lifesaver training, uh, tactical combat casualty care, things like that. Uh, The time that we were going between 2010 and 2013, their southern border was just getting hammered. So they would send a lot of their brigade surgeons up. So we we really pushed TC3 with them because they don't have the resources we do. Right. Their golden hour, it doesn't exist. Whatever has wheels that might move something, and it could be a moped, mm-hmm. might be the evacuation plan. Right. Or it could be an animal. So we're really blessed here with our golden hour, and that's what we really tried to help them with the most, how to save life and limb. So you'd, you'd like to see more interaction then with their education system for the medics Correct. side? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'd say, and it's probably, I'm going to turn the question a little bit. Okay. So... Most of my experiences with the Thais or Malays have been me going to them. And right. I know as a state we have hosted delegations. Um, I don't believe we've done it in a, a um, collective training environment. So bringing over a Thai right. platoon or, or whatever the equivalent, the, you know, the appropriate echelon is or the right career field, um, to actually embed with one of us in one of our training exercises. That would be cool to have them like training. come do bayonet yeah. focus. Yeah. Right. And, and I know we've extended some of those invitations, um, and I think there, there's you know some financial constraints. And, and logistics, I'm logistics. sure there's some issues. Um, we are hosting uh, 25 Thai soldiers okay. uh, later this summer um, as they're going through a striker. Uh, they're purchasing striker fighting vehicles, okay. striker vehicles. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be housed. Um, currently, the plan is Camp Murray, although they may shift. Um, but I think it'll be the first time we're hosting Thais in mass. I know we've we brought over four or five right. representatives. Um, so I, th- I think that's kind of the, the beginning of a good opportunity. Yeah, that's that that would be fun. Yeah, and I would have to agree with Nick on that one. Um, you know, goal of mine with with public affairs has always been combining Thai or Malaysian uh, public affairs assets with U.S. Um, we we've kind of worked our way already with Malaysia in that, 
uh, Thailand, it's, it's taken a little more time. Um, it seems to get them to understand, Hey, if we all work together, I think because of the language gap right. that you have between Thais in the U S versus Malaysians in the U S. Um, but having them come here and actually joining us on an exercise, I think would be extremely helpful to see how we can work together, working combined to, right. to reach a certain goal. Yeah. Doing a little bit more like, even though it's all simulated, like when the U S goes with, uh, Korea and does some of their things, mm-hmm. they are paired mm-hmm. with their counterpart through the simulation and you actually see the different response ways that the u.s and the rock army respond but we talk it out and then as a team decide what the best way is or what the most likely outcome will be which is i think a little more unique yeah than some of the other experiences i would ask the two uh my two counterparts here what's the one misconception you guys have always gotten about tiling when you come back off SPP missions. Mine is always uh, that you went on vacation. That you went on vacation. <laughs> it's it's not a vacation. Um, it's a lot of hard work. The accommodations aren't are great, but as we've discussed uh, mm-hmm. previously between Master and Grambo and myself, it's it's thirty hours in a plane. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a comfortable flight. Um, turbulence can be bad flying over the Pacific Ocean. You get there. The accommodations, if you're on a mission where you're staying in a city, are fantastic. In the field, it's probably completely different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's probably hot, humid, and a little sticky the whole time, and very few amenities. Yeah, I've had I've had both experience. I've had you know the hotel experience. I've had the uh, staying in the field, or I've stayed in Thai barracks before as well. Yeah, um, which are generally hot and humid and sticky, and uh, and then obviously in the field is in the field. Right. Um, but yeah. But definitely, I'll, I'll echo. It's 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 not a vacation. You're 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 working. You know, you, you're dealing with the uh, the time zone change changes mm-hmm. significant. Right. The jet lag significant. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. we don't you know unable to build in a couple recovery days. So sometimes by you get there the next day, you have, you have your first meeting, and right. then you're off in training. Um, and so it's it's pretty. It can be pretty intense. I'm yeah, sure. that's ours. Where you know by the time you get to wherever your accommodations is, it's two thirty three o'clock in the morning, and your first meeting with the interpreters at, is at eight. Yep, and then whomever your customer is for whatever SME you're doing, we usually met with them an hour later, and that's when they told us, well, we actually want to see all of these things. So you go back, rebuild your curriculum. Right. And then, you know, within the world of medicine, uh, General Lowenberg, he wanted to really build that purple mission. Right. So I would take airmen with me. Yeah. Their scope of practice is very different from our 68 whiskeys. So we would spend our evenings rehearsing the next day's lesson plan. Once I rebuilt the lesson plan, <laughs> and I would teach them what our 68 whiskeys would do so they could participate in instruction. But don't you think, like, some of the did you go on vacation is perpetrated by us because we forget about all of the hard work that we did while we were there, kind of like yeah. being in yeah. labor, and we just remember, like, the really cool stuff that we got to do? I know I've been in Uganda where I stayed in a tent. And they killed black mambas, and we were in the hot, hot sun because we were on the equator. And I remember it, and people are like, oh, well, how was it? And I just say, oh, it was the best. Like, I got to go do this cool stuff, and mm-hmm. I forget about all the hours sat behind a computer working hard or going out with um, my people and doing my PAO stuff. And I, I hardly ever mention that. I'm like, oh, well, I went into the town, and I got to see this cool thing, you know. Yeah, it reminds me we went to the Tiger Zoo on one of those visits. And yes. You know, I always wait to post stuff on Facebook when we get back because it's just the safe thing to do. Right. 
and I posted these pictures. One of them is a mama tiger that I'm petting, and another one I'm feeding a baby tiger. And they're like, yeah, it looks like you had it really rough. Yeah, working hard, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, I mean, and I don't want to paint a bleak picture. It's definitely worth going. I, right. I, you know, swam on Thai beaches in the ocean. I've been to thousand-year-old Buddhist uh, temples and caves and ridden elephants. Right. Um, so uh, definitely some awesome experiences. But Yeah. I mean, those are the things you get the pictures of, though, yeah, right? Yeah. And then when you get back, people see those. They think that's the only thing you did. Yeah, you went on a boondoggle. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah you don't want to paint that bleak picture, but you also want to put the reality that, you know, the white sandy beaches right. and the blue skies and the blue water. We, we, don't, we, right. see, we don't see that. Um, but you also don't live the hangover two life where you're <laughs> sleeping in an elevator with a finger cut off. That's not how that works either. Hey, we actually did have dinner we at did. that restaurant. Yeah. Oh, so really? We did. did dinner at one of the restaurants. We when planned they, that as one of our outings. Um, where they like at the States Tower in Bangkok. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, you don't want to paint that picture that it's, right. it's horrible, you know, but when you have downtime, you, you hang out by the pool you go eat exotic foods, you walk around and you kind of sightsee. Right. Um, visiting the, uh, the what is it, like the Buddhist, not the, the Grand Temple or whatever in Bangkok. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, absolutely fantastic right. place. Um, it, it's, it's part of the culture, though. You have to yeah. go see that stuff. We got one day off when I did Ulchi Freedom Guardian one year, and the rest of the time I was in the jock eyes there, either as the morning OIC or the night shift OIC. But the only day we took pictures was was the only day we could, which was <laughs> when we went for eight hours into Seoul. And then we came back to our boiling hot bar- Korean barracks <laughs> in uh, in the north of Korea, or the, the northern part of South Korea. Let me be very specific. And uh, yeah, then people see the pictures and they're like, oh, you're really working hard over there. But it's fun. It's I think worth it. it. It makes it worth it. And I think the experience alone working mm-hmm. with your counterparts is always so engaging. That's my favorite part about being in any kind of coalition is learning more about other cultures and and how they do their military. Mm-hmm. It ruined Thai food for me. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was, <laughs> that was one of the things. I came home and I was like, oh my gosh, this is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> the food is amazing. I mean, that is one thing. They put so much effort into just their preparation and their display of food. You know, you just when people have a craft. They yeah. really put their heart into it. And, yeah, the food is amazing, whether it's prepared on site from scratch or they've brought it in. And most of what we had, at least down in Lamshabang, was prepared right there on site. They had a kitchen. And it was just, the, yes, the f- real Thai food is incredible. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I uh, so I've been fortunate enough, even coming back from Malaysia on the last trip in December, we, we did a night in Bangkok. And um, there's a there's a... Uh, supermarket attached to the hotel mm-hmm. so I wander down to the supermarket every time I'm in Bangkok and I grab bottles of fish sauce um, oyster sauce and soy sauce right from there and it's it's dirt cheap you're talking mm-hmm. 10 cents for these giant bottles right and I wrap them up and place them in plastic bags and I shove them into my <laughs> luggage because you can't buy the sauce in yeah, the states the right. for under 10 bucks well and the ingredients are different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the yeah. ingredients are so different um, it, it brings so much more out of the food that you prepare here. And yeah, I can't eat Thai food at restaurants. I can only make it at home now. That's hilarious. Do you have anything that like that? On Thai food? 
I mean, <laughs> the food or any experience. Yeah. Um, Malaysia is very different from Thailand. And, yes. And it's, it's interesting because they, they share a landmass, at least the, the peninsula part of Malaysia. Right. There's an island as well. Um, several islands. But, uh, but the cultures can be very different. You know, same ethnic origin for largely for the, the indigenous folks. But Malaysia has much stronger influences from China and Korea uh, and India and Bangladesh. Um, just more, I guess, in Indonesia, more, more immigration throughout the region into Malaysia than what, what I think Thailand has experienced. Um, also, Malaysia, Thailand's the only Southeast a- Asian country that's never been conquered or colonized. Okay. And so they've um, kind of held on to Thai culture, even though there's kind of components within Thai culture based on region, whereas the Malays are more of a a mix, you know, or a melting pot, to use an American term. But you can, you can find, you know, there's the Korean district and the Chinese district right. and the um, you know, Bangladeshi district and so on. And so I, I had probably more diversity of food in Malaysia and that it's, was really interesting. It's very much like any major West. So Kuala Lumpur is a good example. It's, it's really like any major Western U S city. Um, and it's got, it's like hubs, like Nick was saying, where it's like, this is your, your Chinese area, your Korean area, your Thai area. Um, and those restaurants are fantastic. And it's not the restaurants you think it's, it's the back alley restaurants. Right. This mm-hmm. last trip with, the. Uh, uh, street food colonel andres yeah we went to a we went to a restaurant that specialized in spanish ham <laughs> and spanish cured meats huh and it was the most incredible tasting food ever um and you know i come back home and i tell people about these restaurants they're like well would you ever be able to find it again i'm like no i probably wouldn't be able to find <laughs> that restaurant again because right. frankly i don't even remember how we got there and that's usually what it is it's the ones off the beaten path that are the best yeah. right I'm so glad we talked about food. That's my <laughs> favorite subject. <laughs> There's a really neat Bavarian restaurant on the way to the embassy that's tucked back in a back alley like that. And their Australian steaks, the beef steaks, are incredible. Huh. But, yeah, I was just I was running through some alleys one day, came across it, and I was like, i got to remember this place, and the food was incredible. And I think we it was one of the trips where we'd been there for, like, 10 days already. Right. And I was at that point where I'm like, okay, I need a steak. I need something else. <laughs> I mean, I love the Thai food, but right. it does get to a point where you just need something else. About somewhere around day five, I usually find a McDonald's mm-hmm. just to kind of reset the And they have the a system. different menu. They, they, do. Do. they do. Yeah. But you can also get a Big Mac. Yep. Yeah. Um, when I lived in Japan, we they had noodles on the McDonald's menu, and we would get noodles. Yeah, most most major cities have Starbucks yeah. Yeah. there. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Uh, in KL, we stayed right across the street from two Starbucks. In Bangkok, you're just right. up the elevator from a Starbucks. So you can get exactly like we talked yep. about. Starbucks <laughs> here is a Starbucks there. It's a you Starbucks know exactly what you're world, getting. You're getting exactly yep. the same thing. Sometimes you so. just have to kind of reset to something yeah. familiar. Yeah. Awesome. Well, is there anything else you guys feel like we missed that we should definitely say about SPP or any closing remarks? I mean, I would yeah. say... Uh, and all three of us have been on a number of trips, but uh, for any younger guardsmen that are ever given the opportunity, never turn it away. You know, it doesn't matter if it's an ODT, uh, a deployment, or a, a Thailand-Malaysia trip for SPP. Take those opportunities because you're only going to get some kind of good experience out of it. Never, right. I've never heard anybody say, I hated my, my trip to Korea or Japan or even my deployment. I've never heard anybody say those right. things. Like Nick and, and I went on the same deployment in 0304, well, 405 essentially. Yeah. Um, we both had different experiences, but neither of us have ever said that was a horrible deployment. 
Right. And we've never gone on an SBP trip together, but both of us have had the same. Those are great trips. Right. So take those opportunities. Yeah, I would encourage anyone who's leading an SBP mission to to find a way to get a junior enlisted soldier involved or two. Um, yes. They're often focused around staff work because, you know, we, we meet the needs of the, the partner. So right. if the, the ties want to work on, on staff training, we, we provide staff training, same thing with the Malays and so on. Um, but you can always kind of squeeze in an E5 or an E6 to get them some experience, to get right. them some, whether it's um, battle staff operations, whether it's to help with logistics. But I'd say the more junior people you can get on these trips, you know, because they, they're going to have the longevity moving forward. Plus, uh, we're always looking for opportunities to enrich the experience of a junior soldier because probably more likely to stick around if we provide right. that stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They are. And it's a really humbling experience, you know. And if somebody's on the fence for extending, you know, we've got enough ODTs within the state that we can usually put them somewhere. Yeah. You know, they have some some unique tool experience ability that they bring to the table. So, yeah, I, I like to see different people going, not just the same folks right. over and over. I mean, and we do have some, like public affairs. We know that those are, that's a small group of people. But, yeah, rewarding the younger soldiers, bringing them in, because it is a lifelong experience for them. Yeah. And I'm sure, yeah, meeting the ask is is necessary, but there's got to be a way to to get those younger guys yeah. out there. Awesome. Well, I don't have anything else. So I guess that's going to be it. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thank you.